Good morning, Redemption Tucson. Thank you for the response back. Thank you. <laughs> um, so this morning I'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Good morning, church. It's uh, great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and it's uh, great to see you all. Um, Sharif, thanks for uh, reading the word, for getting them all set up there to be interactive. Uh, I uh, appreciate that. Um, I don't know, is this your last, was that your last scripture reading, Sharif, before you graduate? Man, so there's a, a, uh, we just, yeah, I love Sharif. Thank you for that. If you were here for the Good Friday service, um, Sharif led through all the scripture reading and that whole, that whole time, and it was incredibly rich and um, powerful. So yeah, man, definitely as a church, love you and uh, appreciate you. And, um, you know, there will be a, uh, we're kind of entering into a season of a lot of big, sweets, you know, people are um, graduating, getting married, um, a lot of things. And in some cases, that means getting kind of sent off. And um, we kind of weep and rejoice in that. We rejoice with those who are, you know, kind of transitioning and some, some big things. But also, it's, it's, it's sad in, in, uh, in some ways as well. Um, so anyway, just wanted to, again, thank, thank Sharif there for that. Um, and um, um, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, uh, I have a speech impediment. It kind of comes in and out as we go. Um, it's not that I'm out of breath from uh, climbing up the stairs, um, though that is the case, but uh, that's not it. Um, and so uh, we're going to get into our time here pretty quickly in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, so go ahead and turn with me there. And um, if you don't have a Bible with you, a copy of God's Word, go ahead and hold your hand up high and somebody will get you one. Okay, hold it up and keep it up. Y en español, si quieres la Biblia y no tienes, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en el libro de Efesios, capítulo 2. Um, and again, if you don't own a Bible, please keep this, okay? This is our gift to you. We want to make sure everyone has a Bible they can read and understand and follow along with. Um, and before I pray, before we pray together, um, I want to just reiterate in case you came in um, late there, which I know none of you ever do. Um, I want to emphasize what um, David Wagner said. If you weren't here for that, he did a little interview with um, Marta Vasquez, who um, is a teacher here at the school and, and just an incredible friend, great friend and incredible part of the commu- community here that we're really honored and excited to partner with. Um, she shared something on Thursday. There's a, a big movement kind of statewide um, called um, Red for Ed, hashtag Red for Ed. And um, there's, I'm not going to get into, I don't even fully understand all the dynamics, but but at the, wherever you stand on or whatever, it's worth understanding and definitely praying for our statewide education 
crisis in many ways, I would say. And my uh, kids are a part of a public school here in town. Um, they actually are classmates with the principal of Safford, um, Mr. G. And so that's actually how we got into this school, by the way, and where we get to be here. So, um, but anyway, just with that, it's something worth praying for. And again, if, if you miss this, I just want to emphasize again, um, at 8.15, or 8 to 8.15, again, if you showed up late, 8, um, on, uh, on Thursday, there's a real good, uh, an incredibly good opportunity to be here to serve the school. If you're wondering, you know, how can I partner with what's going on here? How can I serve um, the kids at this school? Show up here, because a lot of the teachers will not be here. And there's kind of a sense of, well, man, what do we do? How do we, and just be here. It's a chance to love, to support, um, to, to serve um, kids that'll, that'll be here to help pass out food and just different things. And honestly, there's a lot of unknown in it, but um, thankfully, as we talk about, Jesus entered into our, our mess, if you will, a lot of the uncertainty that we're in. And, and so that compels us to not have to know exactly what we're getting into, but show up and love and serve. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray together, okay, as we get into our time in Ephesians. Um, Lord, we come together individually and communally in, in prayer, and um, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would lead us to understand your good news in, in, the, in, in every detail of our, of our lives, of our being, of who we are, of what we do, of how we relate with others, of how we build community. Lord, how we come alongside um, the vulnerable and the marginalized in many cases, um, again, in opportunity here on, on, on Thursday morning to, to do just that. And um, so, Lord, we need you. I, I do pray alongside everyone who's here, Lord, that you, and I trust that you would meet us where we are, Lord, that whether we are um, weeping or rejoicing or somewhere in between, um, Lord, that your good news, that your word would, 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 would find a place to settle and to sink into our hearts and then from there to flow out of our mouths and our everyday lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, pick up with me right away, getting into it. In, um, I gotta put my glasses on. Um, it's, it's a new day. Some of you are experiencing me growing up. Um, Superman takes glasses off when he uh, gets ready. I put them on. Um, so that's how we work. Other than that, we're almost the exact same. Um, sorry. Okay, let's get into it. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So then... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Okay, so then, right? The first words in our, in our, in our, in our scripture this morning that we're in in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, begins with so then. And as is always important to do, we need to, you know, consider what came before it. And if you recall, in Ephesians um, chapter 2 so far, where we've walked through is this, these kind of big ideas that have built on top of one another, right? Chapter, um, chapter 2, verse 1, uh, kind of began this theme of, 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 of you are dead in your trespasses, and we need to understand what that means, that, that apart from God's intervention, apart from the person and work of Jesus alone, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but through me, there's this, there's this kind of seemingly, there is this, this bad news that we needed to come face to face with that we're dead in our trespasses. And then in the next week in, in, uh, in, in, in um, chapter two, verses eight, nine, and 10, 
we saw this incredible good news that, that, that God has, has, has entered in and that we are now, um, by his grace, his undeserved favor, reconciled to God and that, and that, and that we, can be, we can go from being enemies of God to, to children of God. And then, and then we didn't end in verse 9, right? If you remember, it's, there's a purpose there. It goes on in verse 10 for good works, that God created us not just to you know, have this faith that's in our heads, but that we can live out our everyday lives, everything we do, Every, as one book is, is written, Every Good Endeavor, or one book that I just got to celebrate the author of, actually a couple of us did here, um, of this author and, and theologian, godly guy, uh, I got to have him as a professor, Al Walters wrote a book called Creation Regained. Um, just kind of quick side note, I'd encourage you um, that we say this all the time, right? Like there's nothing special about me. Those of us who are in the pastorate or who are up here and do these things up front, um, our job is to equip the saints, that's you, um, for the work of the ministry. And this book, Creation Regained, is an incredibly helpful um, look at everything you do, every job you do, being fully devoted to, to the good news of Jesus being on display and to, and to fighting against sin and evil and brokenness and then, to be, and then to be celebrating and ushering in and participating in God's mission of restoring all that sin has broken and, and destroyed. Okay, so again, I just want to encourage you and commission you in that to, to see the importance of your, your work um, in, in everything that you do. And so, um, so then we moved on, right? From there, there was, there was more, more to see in the, um, in the, in, in the um, again, I, I explained verses 8 through 10, and then it says, therefore, and it goes on um, in, in verses, in verse 11, it, it got, and there was, there was now more, and this big idea of, 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 of what it means to be, to be together in Christ Jesus, to be his, his people. And that's what we looked at last week is, is the effect of sin and how it's divided in every way. And so this week we now come together and come to the kind of so what, right? Last week we saw that in and through the person and work of Jesus, the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down, okay? Between us and God and between us and us. So now we get into the kind of so what? Like, okay, so this dividing wall has been broken down through Jesus, so what? Or if, if you will, as it says here, um, so, so then, right? In verse, in verse 19, remembering um, there, there's a point now to this. And here's what it is, okay? It's this. It's that God is uniting us together. God is uniting a people together who would otherwise be divided in and through Jesus and Jesus alone so that we communally can be the very dwelling place of God on this earth. Okay, God is uniting a people together in order that we would be, through Christ, God's dwelling place in the world. Okay, so that's what, where we're gonna see, that's the big idea that we're gonna, we're gonna see in, is God is uniting us together in that, in that, in that first part. And so, um, again, pick up with me Back in verse 19 here, where it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. So there's a lot that, 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 we, can, um, that we need to kind of press into and think about here. Because one, one element is, okay, so now we're one people, right? We are citizens together. We're, and, and, I, and I've heard some phrases, if you were at our tapestry event it was even said and if you remember I kind of pushed back on it a bit of um someone said well God's 
colorblind. And, and this idea comes in that we wonder, okay, so God's broken down the dividing wall of hostility. We're now one people in Christ. And some, I even heard someone this week, actually, in a conversation I was in, um, say, well, I'm no longer uh, a black man. And this guy I was talking with, I'm now a Christian. I'm a follower of, of, of Jesus. And, and some of us can wonder, like, well, what does that mean? And so, okay, I put my trust in Jesus. Am I no longer a short, white, middle-class guy with a speech impediment. Evidence there. That, yes, I am. Um, you know, is that now done? Is that, is that, is that, now I'm just, I'm a Christian. And we get these simplistic. Sometimes we, in, in, in order to embrace the gospel, we, we maybe go too far and we simplify it. And, and we think things like, again, like, I, like we say things like God is colorblind. And as I shared that, like, I hope not. Like that, that, that opens all kinds of problems, right, if that's the case. And so when we, when we read something like this, we need to understand, well, what, what does it mean then, right? Maybe you've heard, um, you can turn with me, or I have it up here from Galatians chapter 3. There's this verse that maybe some will use to kind of further, further per, perpetuate that idea. And it says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. So again, if we take that at surface value, are there no longer men and, and, and women? Like before sin came in to the world, there were men and women, right? God, 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 God created man, God created woman. It's this incredibly intimate and purposeful, intentional uh, process that God has done creatively forming a people before sin, so then sin comes into the world by nature and by choice. We all participate in this, in this sin reality, this rebellion from God. No thanks God in our identity and our purpose and our relationship with one another is now informed and defined by and marred and tainted by sin. So what that means is our maleness, okay, hear me now on this, okay? Our maleness and our femaleness, or in often cases our, 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 our demographic or the color of our skin or our socioeconomic standing in this case that um, you know slave or free in this world is off, is really referring to mo more of a, a financial discrepancy and so when it says there is neither male nor female you know this nor that is not saying you know you no longer are you know I don't know how much to go there you know you're no longer different right than the other other gender um, it's saying it's saying that, that, that the, the lenses that we use to to create hierarchy and status and, and, and identity and purpose is, is, is torn down. That that dividing wall is broken. That it is no longer, I am Dave, white, middle-class male, therefore I have a higher status and I'm gonna use that to keep me propped up here and, and that's who I am and that's how I approach everything that I do. That's how I come into a community is with that and then when that's challenged, I'm like, whoa, 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 um, you know, this, I'm, I don't know if you, notice I'm kind of a big deal and I've got and we don't say that but our posture does and we say don't don't challenge my position I'm I'm this I'm coming from this and, and then and then and then we we treat others well and sometimes even without knowing but we participate let me just say especially those of us who are uh who are reaping the benefits if you will we, 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 we uh, when that gets challenged and we come into community, when we are moving toward one another unified, um, we struggle with, with that. And, and, and we think, whoa, whoa, I don't know. And, and so that's where this idea of, 
We are now one in Christ, neither slave nor free. You can even see if you're, I didn't plan it, but there's a, a little epistle called Philemon, um, which is the same author, Paul, who met a runaway slave um, and, uh, named um, um, Onesimus, and then he came to faith, and then he writes to this guy's uh, slave owner, Philemon, and he really unpacks this whole idea. He's like, this is now your brother in Christ. And, and so, so you see this theme going. So, so what do we do with that? Again, hear me here pointedly. Um, if you come to faith in Jesus, you are still you. You're still who God created you to be in all, all your beauty and all your, your, what you might think are, are you know, flaws or, or, or different things in, in, your, in your color, in your ethnic background, in your socioeconomic background, or even current standing, all these things, that doesn't go away. What it means now is that your primary identity or your lead foot, or hear me, maybe in a different way, the foundation upon which everything else is built is, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, for me, I'm a white middle-class male with a speech impediment who has been um, transformed by the person and work of Jesus and surrendered to him as Lord of all, and that shapes every decision, everything about my identity and my purpose and every relationship I have. Now, that speaks into how I function, right, to how I live, how I relate. So let me read um, a quote that, that's helpful for us. I'm going to spend more time on this first part because I think in our world, we, we, where we live today and even our, kinda, our, our demographic in this room, um, we need to really press into this. And there's this article that I read. It's actually in the, um, in the book, if, you've, if you got it. Um, I'm pointing to my wife because she has. I actually used her, hers this morning. Uh, couldn't find my own. But there's a little book um, on Ephesians that we put together, and there's actually a second installment coming out that you can get. And um, it's basically got some notes and some different articles and things. So this is from one of the articles in there um, at the end of this section. It's written by Brett McCracken, and, and he wrote, We Are Stones. And he's pushing into the individualistic, consumeristic lenses that we tend to have on when we come at church when we come into community. So let's all um, kind of lay bare before this, if you will, for a moment. One of the ways Western individualism informs how we think about church is that we conceive of fit in terms of how a church fits us. Does its worship style, architecture, preaching, values, and demographic makeup fit well with our personality or preferences? This approach puts the burden on the church to adapt or perform to our liking if it wants to keep us around. But what if we have it backward? And we do. Um, what if the biblical approach is actually that we should fit ourselves into the life and mission of the local church, adapting ourselves to the family and filling the gaps where needed, even if it means we are the ones who have to change? We shouldn't look for a church that will change to fit us. We should look for one where we will be changed to better represent Christ. We all need to adjust with one another in order to be formed, as we're seeing here, united as God's people, a, a, new, a new community, a new identity, a new people 
So I would agree with my friend that I was talking to when he said, you know, there's, I'm, I'm no longer a black man. I think what he was saying as we talked is I'm no longer just a black man. I am now a part of a whole new community, and, and we are having this incredibly rich and helpful conversation. And, 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 and it's this idea of, of, of where do I need to bend? Where do I need to give? Where do I tend to come at this looking through my own consumeristic lenses of everything needs to fit where I want it to be. And I, I've said this before, um, and, and you've actually heard it up here before from the guy I learned it from, uh, uh, Pastor Will in Northern California. Remember when he said, he said that the church is not a pleasure cruise, it's a battleship. And that changes our perspective. Lord, what's my role? Where do I fit into what you're doing? Where do I fall into community? If we come thinking, hey, I, got, I can order whatever I want. I can, you know, a la carte. I want this style worship and I got, you know, this style preaching and this style, you know, whatever it is and, and make it all fit my needs. And I've got this kind of smorgasbord to just eat from. And right, that, that, if that's our perspective, A, you're gonna be disappointed and, and B, that's not biblical. But now let me kind of, a little bit of a kind of, you know, like little right hook, left, you know, jab going on here is, even as I read that, and as I prepared this sermon, I was convicted of how convenient even that is for me as we go back to this, uh, where we were last week, of the, of the dividing wall being broken down, especially cross-culturally, racially, socioeconomically, generationally, right, meaning age or, or, or gender, that what I just read um, tends to be the posture of majority culture that says, hey, we want to be an eclectic expression of God's people. We want to be, you know, red and yellow, black and white, all of us precious in his sight. You know, we, we want to be this people. This is who we're called to be. So we've got this cool thing going on right here. We've got this music. We've got this kind of young, I don't know, hipster-ish, whatever, kind of, you know, craft coffee drinking community. Um, we got it nailed. Now you all come Okay, we want diversity, we want older people, we want people that look differently from us, we want people that are from a different tax bracket. Come here. Oh, you got issue with that? Well, man, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, you, you, oh, you're not comfortable in this demographic and this thing? Like, hey, we're just worshiping God. We're just the, 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 the people of God. Like, why, what's your deal? That tends to be the posture, as I said earlier, of those who have position and, and, and privilege and are already in a posture of convenience. So again, hear me as this, this is a self-critique. This is a, maybe a, a prophetic call out, if you will, of our church. Like you hear us from up here saying, we long to be an eclectic, a tapestry, right? Age, gen, uh, age, gener, that's, that is generation, age, uh, socioeconomic or financial background, um, ethnicity, gender, where we want to want to learn what it means to, to function and to thrive as God's people. And what that largely means is that is that those of us in the front here, those of us in positions of leadership, those of us of majority culture, right, which just again, let's be honest, it, that means if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're white, if you're probably younger than 40, which I'm creeping up on not being in, but you know, you're, you're younger than, than 40, you're, you're above, you're at least middle class, and, um, and in terms of power and influence, you're a, you're a male. In this context, then, 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 it's, that's, then it's easier. It's easier to call everyone else to bend and to, to kind of change, to fit here, to be this diverse community that we want to feel really good about. And so it's our um, job, 
all the more to lay that down. We look at Philippians chapter two where we see Jesus who is ultimate position of authority and privilege laying that down, humbling himself. And so that means then that we need to go out of our way as a church to ask hard questions, to say where, do we, where are we getting it wrong? Some, um, some l- language that we've used, and this is even here, you, I'll just throw it out there if you look with me in, um, in verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, what Paul's doing, the author of this, is intentionally, when he says apostles and prophets, he's intentionally saying, listen, the, 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 the prophets that you Jewish community, in some ways, the people of privilege, you lean on that and you say, oh, we know all the prophets, we know all these old scriptures, and then these crazy like Greek mythology people who are just now coming into this community, community are, um, are like, I, we don't know the prophets, we don't know this, but we've, we've read Paul, or we've met Paul, or he came and, pre- and I responded to, the, to the, the, the gospel that he presented, and so now you start to see, um, like, I know the apostles, but I don't know these prophets, and another's like, oh, we, I, I stand on the prophets, and he's saying, no, 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 he's breaking that down, he's saying, listen, this is God's plan from very old, the prophets and the message of the apostles those who have been met and commissioned by the resurrected Jesus, that's who the apostles were, um, it's all the same message. It's all the same story. So he's, he's using unifying language there of calling people from different social statuses and, and, he's, and he's pressing in. So to, to help us understand this a little bit more, let me, I wanna share another um, quote that is, I think gonna be uncomfortable for all of us. And it's one that I read, I was in a class actually a couple of weeks ago and, and this was shared. And it's, um, it's not even really a quote, it's more of something that, um, that, that people who had been on the receiving end of horrible, horrible evil and injustice in the um, transatlantic slave trade um, people who, slaves, who were, who were plucked from their, their home, their families, um, it be, it just assaulted and, and persecuted in the most horrific ways and brought here to the U.S., to other, you know, parts of the Caribbean and early on Europe. And um, something that we don't know a lot about is a lot of that was happening simultaneously with what the church often celebrates is called the Great Awakening. These, these series of evangelistic explosions of people coming to faith in Jesus. And, and, and like thousands and thousands of people putting their trust in Jesus and then coming to faith in him and in many cases being um, slave owners and being, you know, pastors and, and Christian communities and churches. And so in a lot of ways, there was this tear of, well, what do we do with this? And, 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 and first, in the very beginning, what happened is they just wouldn't even go there. They would just blind their eyes to the scriptures and not even share their faith with these slaves because it was really inconvenient. And they would just, just not, for like hundreds of years, not even go there at all, not even share their faith at all with, with, with anyone that was, that was enslaved. Well, like you can't keep God's work, God's movement, God's cleared in a box, amen, and, and so, so a, a number of these slaves started coming to faith in miraculous ways. You hear, you can read from some of the Negro sp- 
spirituals and different books that people were, um, they actually referred to Jesus as the small man and people were, were having visions and dreams and, and God was leading people to himself, to faith in him in, in spite of the, the white majority church, amen? Okay, that's to our shame. We need to experience that God's movement couldn't be, couldn't be hindered and, he, and so these people, many, were coming to faith and so reactively the church Okay, again, this is an indictment here. The church is like, well, what do we do with this? We're now, okay, people are, 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 people are pushing through our unwelcome mats, if you will, and are still here coming among us. Um, what do we do with this? So they wrote something like this, that anyone, a slave, um, had, to, had to put their mark or their signature to agree to something like this. And here's what it said. This is from South Carolina. This was a required oath of any slave who put their faith in Jesus. It says this, you declare in the presence of God and before this congregation that you do not ask for the holy baptism out of any design to free yourself from the duty and obedience that you owe to your master while you live, but merely for the good of your soul and to partake of the graces and blessings promised to the members of the church of Jesus Christ. Again, merely for the good of your soul and to partake of the graces and blessings promised to the members of the church of Jesus Christ. Merely. This, this, so when, when we talk here about a disembodied, just, you know, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, disconnected from what comes after it, not verse 10, not verses 11 through uh, 18, right? The, the, the what nows and the therefores, and you just have this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay, you've got this intellectual, individualistic faith, and then it says, um, but, but don't expect any of, the, any of, the, any of the, the, the implications, any of the benefits of becoming a Christian and being a part of God's people because just, just focus, okay, you're good now with God, okay, but sign here that you're not going to bring any of your, any of your culture, any of, your, any of the, the wrongdoings that have been done to you, any of the persecution and, and evil you're experiencing. You're not going to bring any of that up. You're going to just keep your faith uh, kind of intellectual, spiritual, ethereal. So when we press into that here, church, we need to understand that we're, um, part, that whole theologies, okay, hear me, especially, I'll just call out here, especially like young, restless, and reformed, okay, you know who you are. Um, whole theologies have been developed, and there's a lot of good there, right? I would probably fall into that camp, but, but, but a lot of evil as well. That a lot of this stuff, even the Westminster Confession, oh, I said it, even there, even that has, 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 has influences that, that further advance this hierarchical view of living. Okay, and some of you, I hope I'm not lo lo losing you right now. It's important, like, that whole things have been fleshed out in order to keep us in this place of disembodied spirituality so that we can say, you can have the king, but you can't participate in his kingdom. And how do we participate in that today? Again, maybe unknowing, this isn't shame, this isn't, you know, beat us down. But this is to recognize when we carry a posture that says, hey, don't critique the music, don't critique the preaching, 
don't expose the unwelcome mats that we are putting out that says, oh, you're older than, than 40 or 50? Sorry, like, deal with it. Or what we actually say is like, man, why are you so grumpy? Like, why, why do you hate young people? <laughs> right? Or, 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 whoa, why are you so angry? Or why are you, what, what, like, why can't you just, you know, why can't we all get along? Why can't you just do what makes us comfortable? Okay, it sounds extreme, but, but we're communicating something not too different than this required oath of South Carolina churches in the 18th and 19th century to brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, this needs to sink in a bit here. And just hear me now. I want to speak to those of, of you who have been brave enough and who have, who have come and, and have dived into this community and, and, and you would look around and say, I'm an underrepresented demographic. Older, uh, a, a, a woman, non-white, lower socioeconomic community. I want to thank you um, for, for being a part of this community. I want to tell you this is your community. Um, I want to use whatever position and influence I have as God won't let me just kind of go on and put on blinders, or us as elders, we talk and pray about this a ton. We need to hear from you. I don't want to just put the ball in your court, but I want to tell you where we long to, to grow, to, to be different. We, long, we talk about the fact that no families from Safford are a part of our, our church. And in some ways, w- when we say that, that's, that we, we grieve that, or in every way we grieve that. And in some ways, we recognize we're maybe unintentionally putting out unwelcome mats that say, well, if you don't fit into this demographic or you don't like this or this isn't your expression, um, and I don't really know what we do with that (laughs) other than go before God. We respond in repentance and confession as he leads. We change. We had a bilingual service last week. That's part of that is, and I'm sure even we got some of that wrong, (laughs) right? But but God's, God's calling us to, to press into this because again this is what it means to be a unified people it's not an extracurricular that we're the social gospel or we're the diversity church that cares about those things it's because we believe it's it's central it's core to the very gospel and it's uncomfortable something I can just say again we've said from the very beginning maybe I'll let you uh, f- finish it right a little interactive here is we've said this you can take comfort in knowing yeah we're all going to be uncomfortable together all right right and left old and young as I said those that maybe it's more comfortable for we need to work a bit harder to be uncomfortable to be aware of where we take our comforts for granted but again, we're all going to be uncomfortable in this, but we can take comfort in knowing we're in it together. Amen? And it's all because, verse 20, it's all because of the person and work of Jesus, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Again, God's plan from the very beginning, the Old Testament, the story of God, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone the cornerstone, the foundation, this is the language that Jesus, the person and work of Jesus, that Jesus living, coming into our world, incarnating, breaking into our mess and our brokenness, again, putting his privilege on the shelf and being born, all right? Like, just think about that for a, a minute. The creator who created everything uh, with his very words of his mouth was born, right? Like, you know, through the womb, 
and came to life. Like that's a crazy, that's humble. Okay, Jesus did that and then he lived this life in our mess, in our brokenness. He, he, he entered into it. He was rejected. He was constantly misunderstood. Anyone here hate being misunderstood? I do. I'm the youngest of four with a speech impediment. I was constantly like, listen to me. Like if you wonder why I get a little fiery, even throw little temper tantrums, that's part of it is I'm like, I want to be understood. Okay, Jesus was constantly misunderstood, and then he willingly laid his life down on the cross. Let's sit there for a moment. Again, as we, as we talk about this, un, this discomfort that God is calling us into, right, as we think about, I don't know, it's challenging. I don't know, what does it mean to lay down my rights? Think about this for a moment, okay? Jesus brought down the dividing wall of hostility. How did he break down hostility? By being murdered. That's counterintuitive. He, he laid himself down and was unjustly murdered in order to break down hostility. He broke down the dividing wall. How? By experiencing rejection from his heavenly father. By hanging on the cross and crying out, Father, Father, why have you, or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced rejection so that you and I could be united, so that we could be now one, so that we don't have to be rejected. And again, there's, there are individual components, but there's also a corporate element here, that, that this unifying work together through Jesus is so that we can become the dwelling place of God. Now as we pick up here, in, uh, down in verse, in verse 21, so through Christ, right, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, right? When you think of the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, right, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Just right now, even do a little investigation. What comes to mind for you? My body is a temple, right? Like again, we live in this world. If you're like young freshman or high school guy or, or, or girl, whatever, you know, you're, you're thinking, um, you know, you're at the, at the rec center looking in the mirror, just like, you know, staring at your biceps, getting yoked and just like, my body's a temple. Yeah, right? Or, you know, someone offers you a soda or some, no, 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 I don't eat that stuff. My body's a temple. I don't eat gluten. My body's a temple. I, you know, whatever it is, like, we think along those lines, right? Ah, this, you know, and it's me. It's individual. It's, it's, it's this, and that's um, in the two places. I'm not going to go there for sake of time, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you're taking notes, you can, you can kind of think of those for a minute. Um, you can jot those down. Those are two of the primary places where we, where we get this idea of the body is a temple. And yes, there are implications. There are individual implications. Okay, hear me on that, especially in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which was also authored by the same guy, Paul. Um, there are personal implications, especially as he talks about sexual immorality. And he's like, hey, you're, you know, do not give your body to a prostitute for your body is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And there's an individual component in charge, yes. Okay, so don't go away from that. But, okay, hear me on this massively. It's there, but we have taken it way further. The primary language used is a community. So when you hear your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, in, in both of those places, in chapter 3 and chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, the primary um, word usage of you and your is plural. 
Like that, again, just recognize that's not the way we usually think about it. Your body is a temple. Your, your body, the body of Christ, the communal people of God, the unified, eclectic people of God in all our difficulty and struggling and repenting and confessing and weeping and healing and reconciling body of Christ so that we can be the dwelling place of God in the world around us. This language used, if you haven't noticed, is all temple language. So the, the, the audience that would have first read this, this, this passage in Ephesians would have, would have heard these things and would have heard this temple language, this household of God, the foundation, right? Christ being the foundation, the cornerstone, the structure, the dwelling place of God. That language is temple language. That's, these people are understanding God comes and dwells among his people in a place which was the temple, and then um, it's so that God's people can be blessed by his presence together, and so that God's people can be a blessing to the nations, to everyone, to the world. Okay, think of it on those lines. The world around, everyone who interacts with God's people will be blessed because God dwells among them in the temple. Well, when Jesus um, hung on the cross and died and when he called out his last, we learn in, in Mark, especially where we spent some time, that the, that the curtain was torn from top to bottom and, and there's a, we could get into that. I don't have time for it though, but it was, yes, breaking down the, the, the altar, the holy of holies, the, that now we, you and I, have access to God, right? Right? when we do the confession and the assurance of grace, okay, understand, yes, the dividing wall between you and God has been torn apart. You now have full access to God through faith in Jesus. And there's all kinds of unifying, okay, horizontal implications there that that curtain was also torn that was meant that no Gentile, there was a, an, in, an inscription that said a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, would be put to death if they crossed the, the wrong aisle, if you will. If they crossed uh, across that barrier, that was torn apart. So this language here that's used is that the dividing wall of hostility has been broken between us and God and between us and us. Okay, as I close, let me read one more quote. I don't even know if I have it up here or not. It's, it's a short one, though, so y you can get it. Um, this is by Mark Dever, and he explains the very practical application for this. One holy person can draw people's attention. Okay, one transformed life, right, can draw people's attention. But a holy community... That's a set-apart community. Creates a picture of humanity that people have only dreamed of. Okay, let me read that one more time. One holy person can draw people's attention, but a holy community creates a picture of humanity that people have only dreamt of. Amen. What that means here is this. Okay, again, as I close, I want us to think of this. As we prepare to respond individually and communally, think of it on these lines, okay? That, that your life or my life transformed by Jesus, your family and your neighborhood and your community absolutely draws attention to God. People look and say, I knew that dude in high school and, and man, something must have happened because he's a new person now, all right? That's, that's amazing and that's evangelistic. That's good news, okay? It's not less than that, but how much more is, wow, that person and that person living in community I'm friends with both of them on Facebook, and I know they have very different opinions on a lot of things. But the fact that they break bread together, 
that they circle around a table together, the fact that that person lays down his or her rights in order to uh, endure the discomfort of this person, the fact that that person is slow to speak and quick to listen because they recognize they don't maybe get it all and they need other members of the body of Christ to, to understand, to, to grow, to reflect God and his character and his good news. That demands an explanation. <laughs> Amen? Age, gender, race, financial background, coming together, unified together only through the person and work of Jesus. That, that, that demands, tell me more about that. Tell me more about this God who, that's counterintuitive. That makes no sense that you're in a community together. And that's what this gospel calls us to. That's not a subtopic that's central to the work of Jesus. The justifying, sanctifying, uniting good news of Jesus. Forming a people together through Jesus who can be the very dwelling place of God in a world around us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for your good news. Lord, we, I don't know what you want to do with us in this time. Uh, I, I confess right here, straight up from the, begin, from the front of the church, uh, lead pastor, Lord, I am so confused right now in where you're calling us and what practical application you're calling us to as a, as a church. But I know, Lord, you have not given us easy off-ramps to take. Lord, it would be so much easier to live in echo chambers or to only be with people that agree with us or that look like us or sound like us. Lord, I, I pray that, that evangelical Christianity, it seems like you are calling us into a season of repentance and change, Lord, recognizing we have not loved our neighbor well. We have put out some unintentionally, some very intentionally unwelcome mats that say, unless you change everything about you and, and just can come and be quiet and participate with us, you're not welcome here. Lord, that's evil. Well, we want nothing uh, to do with that. Lord, we pray that you would, you would refine us. Lord, that we could be for Jesus' glory and the good of Tucson as your united people. Lord, so now as we respond, especially communally, we pray that through your spirit you would lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.